Halloween is meant for trick-or-treating, eating too much candy, and then complaining about the tummy ache you have. However, on Halloween night in 1974, when Timothy O'Brien started suffering from severe stomach pains, there was some sort of foul play that was much more worse than an overdose of candy. Welcome to Cryptic Soup. This isn't the story of trick-or-treating that any parent would like to hear. Welcome back to Cryptic Soup. I'm Thena. And I'm Kylie. Did I say I'm Thena or did I say I'm Kylie? <laughs> you said I'm Thena. <laughs> I thought I said, welcome back to Cryptic Soup. I'm Kylie. And you said, I'm Kylie. Okay. I said I'm Thena, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Are you sure? Are you, are you having an identity breakdown here? <laughs> it just sounded like I said Kylie. No, I, I think to... you probably knew that I was going to say, and I'm Kylie. And then you like said it in your brain, but you said I'm Thena. Okay. But you said it in your brain. Okay. And then. But I were sure I said actual I'm Thena? I are. Yes. I am Thena. Yes. Yeah. Yes, you are. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> okay. Cool. Whatever. <laughs> Kylie, you said you have something to tell me. What do you have to tell me? Yeah. So I joined a soup group. Okay. <laughs> on Facebook. And they were like, yeah, we're weeding through people that aren't like active. So you have to say some like comment something, which I know is a is a joke, but whatever. It looked good. So I was like, nah, thanks. Now I'm hungry. This person commented, tagged me in it and said, please send me a friend request. It would be useful. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um, very useful for the how can I like can I just mess with him like what is like what is is this protocol in that moment (laughs) obviously that's like literally what you're supposed to do okay on this note though my ex will randomly my ex from middle school oh will randomly just message me on messenger and say WYD so what are you doing yeah that's it Oh, that's the end of it. That's the end of it. Hmm. Just randomly, every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, he really wants to know what you're doing. I was like, what <laughs> What does that For accomplish? 20 years. <laughs> Literally. Really. Honestly. Wow, I'm old. So I have two things to hit you with. Okay. All right. Number one, I went and saw Jerry Seinfeld last night. It was so fun. <laughs> Dude, Jerry Seinfeld is so funny. I feel like, well... That's not true. I was going to say, I feel like all comedy shows, like once you get there, you're like, this is fucking funny. But that's not that's not always true, I guess. Do you want to know my second thing? You've already heard it, but do you want to pretend it's new news to you? Yes. Today at puppy class, we found out we have to have a new recall word. And they were like, it has to be a word you don't say in your normal everyday sentences. And it has to be like it's an a, emergency recall. Yeah, it's an yeah. emergency recall. And it has to be a really, really intense word that you can shout from the rooftops that no one else will say. And. Ever. And I was like, oh, fuck, I don't know a word like that. And she's like, think of it like something you wouldn't say, like papaya. And I was like, Marty and I say off the shit things all the time. Like, <laughs> there's no safe words in our world. There's no safe words. And I was trying so hard to think. And then I looked Margie like dead in the face at the store and I was like, I have a word. And she's like, what is it? And I was like, what do you And then the trainer actually walked over and she's like, so what's your word? And I was like, um, it's, it's hootie who? And I say it and she's like, hootie who? And she says it a few times. And then she kind of like looks like she's trying to recall like what that figure word out is. what it is. And I was like, you know, the word you say when you're like leaving a party to try to run from the cops because you don't want to get caught. <laughs> and she's like, oh yeah, that word. Yeah, of course. Like that's a no. And I wanted to be like, no, it's in a movie and the outcast song. But like she didn't let me get that far. So I think she thinks I'm a hooligan now. Probably. Oh, Amanda wanted us to talk about something. Amanda, Amanda. Amanda. Hey, Amanda. Um, let me find it. Give me a second. I forgot Who about it. Who is your non-human yep. celebrity crush that you had growing up? That's what it was. 
because <clears throat> this guy that's famous that I can't remember who it was, was doing an interview the other day and he was talking about how E.T., the weird little alien thing, the extraterrestrial, I guess, is exactly what it stands for, right, <laughs> was his non-human crush. So who were your okay, non-human crushes? Okay, but that's crushes? creepy as fuck. Like, he I've is so... It. You've never seen E.T.? No. Why is that shocking? Like, genuinely. Give me a good reason why that's Because it's a cult classic? And? It's a cult classic? And? Have you seen The Shining? Well, of course I have. Okay, it's a cult film. Exactly. It's a cult classic. I agreed with Amanda's, but I also want to say Amanda's. Because she was really upset that she forgot to talk about it on the podcast. I will say my number one, and then I'll think about other ones, but I feel like mine's a very obvious one. My... Number one crush growing up was young Simba from The Lion King. And the reason why I say that's an obvious one is because that was voiced by Jonathan Taylor Thomas, who in an interview while being Simba, someone was like, Jonathan, if you were ever like for J14, the magazine, they were like, if you were ever going to date a girl, what's the number one thing that that girl has to do? And he's like, be a vegetarian. And now 20 years later, (laughs) I'm a vegetarian (laughs) and I will let you know, I have never dated home improvement slash Simba's voice, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Non-human is weird for me, I guess, because like I had a lot of like cartoon crushes. Oh, same. Chip Skylark. Who fine as Exactly. Like Danny Danny Phantom. Phantom? Yes. Mm, Come on. Come on. He's so handsome. I was probably bi at this point because I loved Shigo. Everyone did. Yeah. She's hot as fuck. Exactly. Um, All the goth baddie girls were. Hex girls, oh, <laughs> fuck me up. So Amanda's is um, adult Simba. So that's interesting. Oh. Hercules and Megara. Megara? 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 <laughs> Margie. <laughs> what the fuck are you guys talking about? <laughs> Margie doesn't even Hercules, the girl. Meg. Yeah. What would her name be? Meg. Uh, all right, miss. Uh... Megara. My friends call me Meg, at least they would if I had any friends. So, <laughs> did they give you a name along with all those rippling pectorals? Uh, I still, maybe it's tomato, tomato. Well, no, it's Megara and you're wrong. Okay. Um, but she also said Casper after she found out his human form. And I agree with that. Casper, human form, mm. fuck yes. Archer is so fucking These are all hot. Cartoons. I know. I really can't think of anyone that's like an because like cartoons non that, that opens up the anime doors, and then there's so many. So that's like a hard, hard, hard topic. Yeah, young Onceler. Mmm. How bad can I be? How bad can I be? What is that from? From Horton Hears a Who. That's not from Horton Hears a Who. That's from the Lorax. But I was really excited. It's from the Lorax. I cannot think of one that's non-human that I was like. Me. I wanted to fuck a fucking Simba, apparently. <laughs> so, I don't know. That's our thing, Mando. Hope you liked it. Enjoy. <laughs> I hope I'm you're not mad I'm, at me for sharing yours. <laughs> I'm glad I was young Simba and you were old Simba. So, um, I digress. <laughs> I digress. I really don't remember where that joke came from about the I digress, but I like using it. Was it was from Jimmy. Was it? In Michael Alec. Oh, I don't know, but I like saying I digress still. <laughs> I still use that joke, and I don't know why it's a joke. But it's I not use really it. a joke. It's just using it <laughs> in the correct way. <laughs> I wanted to talk to you about what's coming up in the world, in life, and that is our anniversary. We just wanted to say, like, we're almost at our two-year anniversary, and that's fucking crazy. Like, that's 730 days. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. It's That's insane. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um... So we've realized that like we've gone through so many changes from like when we initially started to now, like we've learned like we do like these things. We don't like these things. And like we always ask you guys for inputs and stuff. And like lately we've been listening because like we wanted to try things like you guys were like, oh, like you guys have so many fun moments, like add more fun things. And we're like, oh, okay, like, cool. Like, we'll add them. And then we did that. And you guys were like, wait, (laughs) we tried that. And that's not what we meant. And we're like. Ah, yes, yes. We see uh-huh. you guys were like, yeah, no, those were too distracting. You did too many fun things. And we like uh, want you guys back. You you took away you guys and it was just too much. And we're like, OK, cool. No, we get it. We're sorry. So 
We realized it was fun, but we are a little bit too serious to be doing that much fun. So we're going to go back a little bit. Take, you know, we took, uh, you said take one step forward and we took 14. <laughs> so we're going to take some backwards. So for year three of CSP, we decided we got, we're, we're doing it. We're going to make this the best year ever. Working our butts off, man. Our butts are gone. We worked them <laughs> off. Where are they? We don't know. They're gone. <laughs> where, where are they? I don't know. <laughs> so we've been literally listening to every single suggestion you guys have said. And with that being the case, we decided for season two, CSP Cryptic Soup. It's called season two Cryptic Soup Pod, the After Dark Specials. We're moving CSP to becoming a little bit spookier vibe that's tying in with our sinister outlandish things that we cover in the podcast. But now we're also going to be doing other things. We're going to bring on bigger cases, more requests, some new things, new features, and it's going to be great. We're not going to change everything too much because we want you guys to still have this be the podcast you know and love, but we are changing some things. And the biggest change is going to be starting in November, season two. It's called After Dark for a reason. We are going to be changing the time of when the episodes will be posted. Normally, we drop episodes in the early hours so that all you like, early morning work people. Ugh, I know, right? Um, <laughs> you hardworking early risers. You, you guys get the episodes right away. But we have like a whole slew of listeners that are like you night owls that are up playing video games, listening to us and hanging out at night. And like, you know, for the past two years, you guys have been like, fuck us, right? So this time it's your time to shine. We are going to start catering to those creepy little night owls who can't sleep and need someone to hang out with. And the episodes will be moving to Wednesday nights at 1151 Eastern Standard Time. After the Halloween special, starting in November, don't be alarmed if you see a shift in the CSP upload times. You aren't going crazy. We're just bringing you that CSP season two after dark. Gearing up for a new season, year three. You can't keep everything the same and expect, you know, nothing to... What's that insanity thing? Fix. You can't continue to do the same thing and expect different results. That's insanity. The fuck is it? <laughs> I've literally never heard that. What? Yeah, it's like doing the same thing over and over again, but expecting different results. It's Albert Einstein. There you go. Just fucking spitting off Einstein off the top of your head. That was really <laughs> impressive. That's like what geniuses do. Well, guess what time it is, Kylie? What time is it? Halloween time. Ooh, spooky. So do you want to do a spooky Always. episode? Always. <laughs> Okay, well, um, why don't we do a Halloween episode then? Sounds good to me. Okay, this was a request. It was by Haley Blue Jay. So this Halloween episode is about Halloween night. This episode is about a guy that people call the Candyman. Ronald Clark O'Brien was 30 years old at the time of this episode. He was living with his wife, Danine O'Brien, and their two children, they were living in Deer Park, Texas. They had their son, Timothy, who was born April 5th, 1966. He is an Aries. He was born the same day as Pharrell Williams on National Deep Deep, Deep Dish Pizza Day. That sounds amazing. Mm, I love Deep pizza. Dish. Mm, yes. Yes. Their second child was a girl, a daughter named Elizabeth, and she was born in 1969. Oh, my God. The other day, Margie and I were in the car speaking of birthdays really quick. A song came on and I start singing along to the song and I was like, I want to be man with baby. And I looked at Margie and I was like, do you know this girl's birthday is January 22nd? And then I keep singing along and she's like, oh, really? And I was like, I don't know her name, but that's her birthday. Didn't even know the woman's name, knew the song, knew the woman's birthday, don't know her name. Is that Christina Aguilera? Nope, it's Willa Ford. I think I have a different song. Yeah, well, I anyway. just thought that was very interesting <laughs> that I knew all that, but couldn't tell you her name. Yeah, but I, that's a good one. It's fair. I don't know where you get this information and then store it in your brain, but it's insane. I don't... Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's my... Thought perimeter. No, wait, what'd she call it? Not a thought perimeter. That's the only P word I can think of. Thought, Rol Rolodex? Thought. No, what did Mando call it? Thought. Oh, thought, yeah. Thought perimeter. Thought. Brain. No, it was mind something or brain something. Mind. You know she's yelling at us right now. My mind. 
<laughs> my mind. mind portal. My mind portal? Maybe. I think it's my mind portal. I don't think it is. Is it wrong? Probably. I thought it had thought in the word. She's, my mind thought portal. She's going to message us immediately as soon as she hears this. <laughs> Everyone is. Every single person that has ever listened is so angry right now. <laughs> Now, about this family, the O'Briens, there's not a ton of information about the family before the incident, besides some small information about the father, Ronald, because Ronald worked as an optician, optician, optician or optician, optician. Oh, (laughs) I'm just going to add some letters right on in there. Oops, let me scooch those on in. (laughs) Let me scooch those on in. (laughs) An optician. Okay. Yep. Ronald worked as an optician at the Texas State Optical in Sharpstown, Houston. He was also a deacon at the Second Baptist Church where he sang in the choir and he helped run a local bus program. What happened the Halloween night that makes this story so well known, right? Well, it happened October 31st, 1974. Ronald had taken his two children, Timothy, who was eight years old, and Elizabeth, who was five years old, out to Pasadena to have dinner with some family friends before going trick-or-treating together. Ronald and his two children, and then the neighbor friends, which were called the Bates, and their two children, Mark and Kimberly, were all, like, having this dinner. And then the kids were going to go door-to-door in Pasadena to get lots of candy. After just a few houses, they started to fall into a routine where Jim Bates would stand behind while Ronald and the kids would walk up to the house to receive the candy. After they got going and they like fell into this routine, they were down a few more houses and they realized that the weather was starting to like kind of turn. So they were trying to go a little bit quicker. And that's why they had this routine because it was it was a stormy night. It was about to rain and they go up to one of these homes and there was going to be no one that answers at this house. So the house was at 4112 Donrail, Dunrail. And there's this like small wall that lines the front of the house. And so it's a little bit hard to see the front door and the lights were off. Well, Ronald and the kids decide to try the house anyways. And like I said, no one answered. So then Jim starts to take the kids and walk towards the next house. Meanwhile, Ronald says he's going to stay behind momentarily and like go back to the house one more time, I guess. But, 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 but why? I guess maybe because he's like oh every other house you know i don't totally know what the method or like motive behind him staying behind is mm-hmm. well and just like checking out like the rule if the lights are off exactly the house is enough like that is the rule quickly after this ronald ends up rejoining the group and he says oh yeah someone finally answered at the house so he asked for candy that resulted in ronald getting some of those pixie sticks they're like really big ones right So he disbursed them to the children and the children were like super happy. He had five of them that he got. He didn't disperse them right away. He actually held on to them. He just had them in his hand. He's like, oh, look, I got them. And he showed them off. Since Ronald had received five of the candy, once they start making their way back home, he ends up giving one to each of the children. So two to the neighbor children, one to each of his children. So that's four of them. And then they end up seeing one of the families from his local church. And he sees 11 year old Whitney Parker who is one of the kids that either sings in the choir or like knows him from the choir and stuff at the local church. And he's like, oh, here, Whitney, here's one of the candies. So he disperses all five of them. Now, like most kids, when you get home that night, you want your candy, right? But your parents are always like, no. Or don't eat too many. You can have one or two pieces. Because it's late usually when you get home. Like even if it's only seven o'clock, that's late you don't need to be having a sugar high at 7 p.m well timothy was really excited and he could not wait to eat the candy so he does beg his parents if he could have some and they do end up agreeing that he can have one piece so he picks that 21 inch long pixie stick of course like those because they're huge (laughs) they are do you know what i'm talking about yes yes well what's your favorite candy of all time uh for roches (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry what (laughs) for roches I love Raisinets. They're my absolute favorite. Bro, you would have loved the comedian last night. I'm that, like 90 years old. Like, I understand. The, that is what the joke, the 20 minute joke led up to was Raisinets. Yeah. Corey always tells me that I'm an old person because of the things that I like. Because I love whorehounds also. They're like black tea, essentially like hard candies. Oh my God. 
Do you know what my all time favorite candy in the whole world is? Actually, I did forget. Well, they don't have a name. So the, <laughs> Sorry. No, I know what you're talking. Those strawberry strawberries. Things. Yes. Yeah. That I post about all the time. Those I, strawberries are my favorite candy. I have bags of them at the house right now. I also love saltwater taffy. No. Really? Too gummy. Hate it. Hurts my teeth. I like Charleston chews, but I have to put them in the freezer. Freezer. You taught me that. Is It just changes the entire. Changes the, the entire, entire experience. Game. Yeah. What it's are those so things good. that are marshmallows? Don't tell me it's Charleston chew. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're little thingies. Well, no, it's like a big thing. Is that also a Charleston chew? Cowtail? No. I think it's just a big thing of Charleston chew. Yeah, no, I'm just thinking of a bigger box. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, but Charleston chews, if you like them, put them in the freezer and you will like them even more. They're crunchy. It's amazing. What's your favorite candy? Listener? I thought you were asking Margie. Margie's here today, guys. Margie, what's your favorite candy? Um, Chocolate-wise, I would say Kit Kats. Uh, like normal candy, I would probably say Skittles. Skittles. Oh, those are good ones. Sour or regular or air dried in the oven that's special. What that's is that called? Freeze-dried. Free- <laughs> Jesus. Sour Skittles. Hey, everyone. This is Margie. <laughs> Hi. Hi. I can't believe she just talked on the podcast. I know. Holy We've been trying. Shit. It's been how about 730? It's been 730 days, guys, and we have tried that every single time Margie has been in here, and it we just does had not to t- happen. We had to talk about food. That's <laughs> what we had to talk, we had to talk about. Food. Candy. We had to feed her before the episode, then talk about food on the episode. <laughs> oh, we cracked the Margie code. All right, Pixie speaking, Sticks. Speaking of candy. Let's go back to the episode because, oof, we're going to get bad, bad with the candy. Okay. <laughs> so Timothy is this young, he, he is a child, remember? So he's eight years old and his parents are like, you can pick any of the candy you want. So he picks, of course, the biggest thing. He picks the big pixie stick. Now, when he first is trying to get it open, it's like, like stapled shut. And he's just like, I can't get it out. So he's struggling. So... It's also that powdery substance that sometimes sticks in there. But have you, okay, when you've eaten these or have you eaten those, because we're going to talk about this in a minute, have you ever kind of like put it between your hands and like rolled it back and forth? Like, so that's what his dad does. So Ronald takes the pixie stick from Timothy and he puts it in his hands and he does the... And it's like he's he's rolling the tube between his hands to break up the clumps in it. Right. Because he's Mm -hmm. offering to help. He offers to help so much that he's like Timothy, like kind of like lean back, you know. And he's going to pour the candy directly into Timothy's mouth to help make it easier for it to be eaten by him. What a good dad, right? right? Wow. He really wants this child to eat this candy almost. And stay up all night. All night. With this big 21-inch pixie stick. Right. Well, as he's eating the candy and stuff, like, right afterwards, Timothy's complaining he actually didn't like this candy because he said that the candy had a really odd, bitter taste to it. Which, if you've ever eaten pixie sticks, there is nothing bitter about it. It is pure sugar. (laughs) Timothy had this bitter taste in his mouth, and he just couldn't get rid of it. So, it did subside because his dad decided to give him some Kool-Aid to wash away the taste. He figured again, that. pure sugar <laughs> before bed. <laughs> yep. Yeah. He decided that would help make it feel better. And it did work for a moment. But instantly, almost Timothy started complaining that his stomach hurt. And so he ran to the bathroom. Young Timothy began vomiting and convulsing uncontrollably. And the family knew something was wrong. Ronald held Timothy while he was vomiting and the child went limp in his arms. The family knew he needed hospital attention immediately. So they called an ambulance. The first person that actually arrived at 500 West Pasadena Pasadena Boulevard, where the O'Brien family lived, was a rookie police officer named Jesse Zeisiger. Officer Jesse Zeisiger arrives and said he remembers the horrible sight, and it's something that stuck with him his whole life. He says he saw a young child laying on the ground, dry heaving, and he just felt helpless because he couldn't do anything to help the child. The ambulance gets there, but Timothy O'Brien died en route to the hospital less than an hour after consuming the candy. Timothy's death from the Halloween candy raised fear in the community because numerous parents in Deer Park and the surrounding area 
turned in candy their children got from trick-or-treating to the police, fearing that that since he was poisoned with laced candy, that their kids could have had the same thing happen to them. When the police began to backtrack the, the candy, like how they thought that it happened, they originally went to Ronald to find out where the candy came from. Ronald said he couldn't remember the exact house he got the candy from, which was odd because, like I said, it was a rainy night and they were only ending up or they only ended up going to like two streets to go trick or treating in the end because then it started getting too bad that they had to return home. Well, so, he went back. Yeah. He went back to that specific house. So authorities were like, oh, well, that's kind of weird that you can't remember. But OK, they were like, well, why would you kill your own child or anything? Because that that just. It just seems so out of left pocket. So they didn't mm-hmm. suspect him or anything, but they also were like, why can't you remember anything? Do you remember? I don't remember which episode it was, but we talked about, you know, because we don't have any children. So like the only idea of us being parental in a sense is to our dogs mm-hmm. and like not allowing them to get anything from strangers and things like that. And that's how I feel like I would be freaking out if I was a parent. But also, like, if anybody, like, came around and did, like, dog treats or things, I, I would throw them away. Like, I do not trust anybody in this world. Like, it's it's honestly insane. So, like, thinking that his dad did it, like, that's terrifying. So, I might be wrong. <clears throat> but the only parental episodes that off the top of my head I can think of that we did that it could have been is Diane Downs, available in the archives, or The Hart Family. Available in the earth. Um, Joseph Fritzel. Is it available? available. (laughs) (laughs) No, I really, I don't, Um, I think we, I think it was a tangent. I don't think it was an actual case. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a treat going around on Amazon and it was like, maybe like CBD or like anxiety or something, or maybe joint something or other. Like a supplement almost even. Yeah. But it was a treat specifically. And I looked at the ingredients and a lot of people were like, you know, these worked great, blah, blah, blah. But then others were like, my dog is seriously sick from these. Like, do not get them. And I looked at the ingredients. Guess what's in them? What? Onion. No. Yes. Blankly in the description, in the ingredients, onion. Okay. Guys, onion is really bad for your dogs. But like in this episode, when they were thinking about it, they were like thinking about it and they were like, okay, but... Ronald was also holding his child that night. He fed him the candy. There's no way that Ronald was part of this because he was just as upset at this point. Mm-hmm. Why would he have done this to his own child? And also, numerous people have this pixie stick, like not just Ronald's children. So of course Ronald didn't do it. The authorities started thinking that something was odd and they needed answers. So while they were confirming the exact cause of Timothy's death, they were slowly raising alarms. They found out that none of the houses on the two streets that night that they went to were handing out pixie sticks. Timothy's autopsy revealed that the pixie stick he had consumed was laced with a fatal dose of potassium cyanide. Yep, that'll do it. That'll Yeah, very fast. Yep. Four of the five pixie sticks uh, that Ronald O'Brien claimed to have received were were recovered by the authorities from the other children, none of who had consumed the candy. The parents of the fifth child, remember how he found that fifth child and he like handed it off? Yes. They the were one from his, the church. Yeah. They were hysterical because they actually couldn't find the candy when they were notified by the police and they were searching the house all over. And went, by the time that they rushed upstairs to find their son, their son was asleep holding the candy. He had actually tried to eat it that night, but he just was unable to open the staples that closed the wrapper and sealed it. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So all five of the pixie sticks had been opened up by the authorities and the top two inches were poured out of candy and were refilled with cyanide powder and sealed with staples. According to the pathologist who were who was testing the pixie sticks, he said the candy consumed by Timothy contained enough cyanide to kill two adults, while the other four candies contained enough to kill three to four adults. Cyanide is a, if you don't know what it is, is a highly cytotoxic poison. Cyanide is a rapidly acting, potentially deadly chemical that interferes with the body's ability to use oxygen, and it can affect different systems in the body to break down their use and ultimately cause death. 
The immediate symptoms are usually a headache, nausea, vomiting, dizziness, a rapid heart rate, convulsions, and sometimes unconsciousness. Some cases result in respiratory failure, seizures, cardiac arrest, but most cases end in either a coma or death. You can live through cyanide poisoning, actually. Most people don't think you can, but it usually has to be a smaller acute dosage because there are some jobs that put you right in the forefront of being like where you come in contact with cyanide, kind of the same way mercury poisoning was for a long time. However, after exposure, cyanide quickly will enter the bloodstream and take only minutes to work its way through you. Dying by cyanide is said to be one of the most painful deaths you can experience. In history, there have been some horrific stories of cyanide usage, like the Republica Cromania nightclub fire in Buenos Aires of Argentina's, uh, Argentina of 2004. It killed 194 people and left 1,492 people injured. There was also the usage of cyanide in the gas chambers by Nazis during the Holocaust. There was the case of Jonestown. The 2000 spill in Romania that was said to be the worst environmental disaster in Europe since Chernobyl. There's also numerous murders and suicides that involve cyanide poisoning. Plus things like Al-Qaeda tried to use it on the subway system. Um, Omshinrikyo the cult used it in the subway system. Or the Hayabasa massacre. I think I still mess that up. I'm so sorry. Plus a lot of other things. Cyanide is really deadly and really scary. And it's kind of easy to get your hands on, isn't it? Actually, yes. I mean, in a sense, yeah. Still in this day and age, stores will sell it. As scary as that sounds. So cyanide is a very scary ordeal. But due to the discovery in this case with the cyanide being in the pixie sticks, authorities were now highly concerned and they needed to address where to look to find further answers. So they decided to contact Ronald again to try to find out where to find these answers. They wanted him to show them exactly where he acquired the candy from because they needed to figure out how someone acquired the cyanide to put in these pixie sticks to give to these children. I mean, honestly, you just like retrace your steps. You're going to remember it. I don't know why that wasn't like step one. Yeah. (laughs) So the police and Ronald circled the neighborhood numerous times. And finally, after numerous times doing this, Ronald pointed them to the home where he told the same story about how no one answered the phone and how the door. I'm sorry. Yes. (laughs) I'm sorry. How no one answered the phone and the door. I heard myself saying it and I couldn't (laughs) stop it. Did you like see me or like hear me pause? And I was like, no, don't do that. Yeah. The door. The door. Mm -hmm. How no one was answering the door. And so he hung back and he waited to get the candy. He said this was his story. That Ronald said the owner of the home didn't turn on the lights when he knocked, but he cracked the door open and he handed him five pixie sticks. Because that makes sense, mm-hmm. you know, because that's not creepy at all. You know, like, mm, OK, well, and he only cracked the door wide enough to where he literally like shoved his hand out the door with the candy. And all he saw, he couldn't see his face or anything. He saw a man's hairy arm and he couldn't get a glimpse of anything else. I'm going to feed that to my children. <laughs> so the authorities dug into Ronald's story and they were like, OK. We'll go forward with this. And they found out the home was owned by a man named Courtney Melvin. Courtney is an air traffic controller at William Hobby Airport. And he didn't get home that night from work until 11 p.m. So that allowed police to rule him out as the suspect. Well, because numerous people confirmed his story that he was at work the night of the incident. And I'm talking like 400 ish people. Right. It's an airport. (laughs) Yeah. You know, there's a little bit of people work there. The authorities continued with the investigation and they started making some startling discoveries. They learned that Ronald was over $100,000 in debt at the time, which this is 1974. So in today's standards, that's a that's about like $625,000. Oh, wowzers. That's a lot. And if that wasn't bad enough, he wasn't actually able to save any money because he couldn't keep a job very steadily. The man had held 21 different jobs in the past 10 years. And at the current time, he was close to being fired, they said. His car was about to be repossessed. He was defaulting on quite a few loans. And the home that he and his family were living in was about to be foreclosed on. 
Like most brilliant plans, Ronald thought he had a get quick cash rich scheme. In that January of 1974, only 10 10 months before the death of his son, Ronald had taken out a $10,000 life insurance policy on both of his children. Then, one month before Timothy's death, he took out an additional $20,000 policy on both of them, even after his insurance policy said that he probably shouldn't do that. Then, only days before Timothy's death, Ronald had taken out yet again another $20,000 policy on each child. So at the time of Timothy's death, the policy on each child was about $60,000, which is the equivalent of $375,000. That's still not enough. But if both of them Mm. were killed. Meanwhile, Danine O'Brien, the mother uh, slash wife, She was in the dark. She said she had no idea her husband did all this life insurance stuff. So she was in the hospital and mourning the death of her son, right? Meanwhile, her husband was busy calling the insurance company less than 24 hours after the death of Timothy to inquire about how he could collect the money from the life insurance benefit policy. You know how you don't get caught? You, well, first of all, you don't take out insurance policies. You don't do any of this. But secondly, you don't call them. Authorities were already suspicious of him, though. So this didn't look good. You're right. Because slowly everything was piecing itself together right in front of them. Ronald was helping tremendously putting these puzzle pieces together for them. They learned Ronald also visited a chemical supply store in Houston to try and buy cyanide shortly before Halloween Day. But he left the store empty handed because they told him he had to buy it in bulk and he didn't want to do that because it would have been too much. Authorities also came to the conclusions that not only was Ronald attempting to cash in on the life insurance benefits, but the reason he gave the other children the same poisoned candy was in an effort to cover up his crime. Because why would all these random children start dying, especially a random child that was not even with his children? Police repeatedly questioned him, but he maintained his innocence over the situation and pretended to just be a mourning parent. Authorities couldn't find the actual time or place when Ronald acquired the cyanide, but they ended up getting an arrest warrant and charged him with one count of capital murder and four counts of attempted murder on November 5th, 1974. What's November 5th? This one's funny. I don't remember. Remember, remember the 5th of November, the gunfire treason. And I don't know, remember the rest of it. I don't know that. I don't know what oh, you're talking it's, about. It's V for Vendetta. It was a joke. Oh. Now, only a few days after the death of his only son, he was arrested for this because this was November 5th. And mind you, Timothy died on Halloween night. Ronald entered a plea of not guilty to each of the account and the trial was set to begin the next year. That actually happened really fast. Yeah. I'm actually impressed. Yeah, it it was. I mean, it was less than a week. Yeah. On May 5th, 1975 in Houston, Texas, the trial began. Here's some things that happened. An employee from that chemical supply store testified that Ronald asked him how to purchase the cyanide. Whoops. Did you forget you went in there, Ronald? You asked this. (laughs) Also, a chemist that Ronald knew testified that Ronald contacted him to ask about cyanide and how much is considered to be a fatal dose to kill someone. How do you come up with it? Hey, bro, I'm going to need to know this because, like, I just need to know. Yeah. You know, like, what? Like, how do you how do you do that? Also, one of his employers mentioned about how he inquired about obtaining cyanide to clean the gold frames at work. But the request was unusual as cyanide had not been used in the optical trade for decades at this point. So it went on ignored. At least he had a slight use. Yeah, I mean, like he had a use for it. So that kind of makes more sense than just like calling up some random Joe that, you know, Danine, his wife, said that she remembered that night Timothy didn't even initially choose to eat the pixie stick, but Ronald had to talk him into it and actually force him to make the choice of eating the pixie stick, it seemed. Ronald's sister-in-law and brother-in-law both testified that on the day of Timothy's funeral, Ronald spoke of using the money from Timothy's life insurance policy to take a long vacation and buy a bunch of other items. That's not what you're supposed to do when you're in debt. Just thought I'd let you know that. I was just about to say, what about the debt? Also, numerous friends and co-workers came forward to testify that months before the death of his son, Ronald showed an unusual interest in cyanide and spoke about how much it would take to kill a person. So he just banked on other people knowing. Mind you, if someone near me dies right now of anything, I have Googled an unusual (laughs) amount of interest in cyanide. (laughs) 
and did it for the pod. Now, the media attention on this case at the time was uh, dubbing Ronald with some nicknames, as they always do. They called him the Candyman, which is kind of a cool one. So I'm mad he got that. It is. It is kind of cool. And then the man who killed Halloween, which is also kind of cool. I hate when they give them fucking cool ones. Don't give serial killers cool nicknames or any kind of killer. He's not a serial killer. Call them something stupid because otherwise they get a big head. Yeah. The man that was in so much debt that he killed his only begotten son. Broke bitch Halloween ruiner. (laughs) (laughs) Like like bad with money McGee Ronald. Like, come on. Don't give them cool money McGee. Don't give them cool names. Meanwhile, as all this was happening, Ronald is still maintaining his innocence. He's claiming that he had nothing to do with his with the death of his son. That's hilarious. So on June 3rd. That's my mom's birthday. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Huh. Well, I don't have to give anything then. On June 3rd, 1975, the jury took only 46 minutes to find Ronald O'Brien guilty on all five counts. That's a very short time. Forty six minutes. Juries normally take hours. Hours. (laughs) They're like, nah, man, fuck you. Yeah, they're like, you're you did it. You you, you did it. There's no other way. They then only spent 71 minutes to agree that he had to have the sentence of death and they wanted it by electrocution. No, they should have given it by cyanide. So quickly after the conviction, Danine, the wife, filed for a divorce. Clearly. Good. Absolutely. She eventually does go on to get remarried, and the man that she remarries ultimately also adopts Elizabeth, her only remaining child. Many people know there's also a tier prison in prison, like like um like a like a hierarchy. Mm-hmm. And one of the things people in prison hate is like they hate if you're a really bad person. Like they're all bad, but you can be a worse person. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is Ronald is one of the really hated ones. He thought he was real. They they hated him because he killed a child. Nonetheless, his own child. Right. So there was this guy, Reverend. Well, and potentially other children. He tried to. He yeah. could get away with it. Yeah. There was this guy named Reverend Carol Pickett, and he said that Ronald was super hated and shunned by his fellow death row inmates in the Ellis One unit where he was housed. All because he killed a child. Ronald's first execution date was set for August 8th, 1980. However... His attorney petitioned for a stay of execution. August 8th is my grandpa's birthday. (laughs) Jesus. This is your family's case. Yeah, I guess. This is going to drive you nuts. Are you ready? So a second date was scheduled for May 25th, 1982. That ended up getting postponed. So Judge Michael McSpadden scheduled a third execution date for October 31st, 1982. Love that. And that date would have been the eighth anniversary of the date, the death of Timothy. And at this point, Judge McSpadden even offered to personally drive Ronald to the death chamber to get the show on the road, he said. <laughs> like, nah, bruh, you're fucking going. <laughs> he was so pissed that at this point, Ronald just kept evading death in a sense. Well, Ronald was going to end up being the first person in Texas to be executed by lethal injection at this point, actually. Because the state of Texas now had adopted lethal injection as means of execution in 1977, but it wasn't until 1982 that the first inmate was executed this way. Spoiler, it's not Ronald O'Brien. It was a man named Charlie Brooks. This was because the Supreme Court delayed the date because Ronald was pursuing an appeal to seek a new trial. How? How? So then (laughs) a fourth date was rescheduled. March 31st, 1984. So Ronald's lawyer once again tried for a fourth stay because he claimed lethal injection is a cruel and unusual punishment. So March 31st. Remember that X I was talking about that says W.I.D.? That's his birthday. Of course it is. (laughs) Of course it is. We got any more? (laughs) Oh, my God. At this point. Oh, my gosh. So on March 28th, though. A federal judge just ignores and rejects the request for them to say that the lethal injection is cruel and unusual. Because at this point, 1982, they've already done it. So this is two years later. And he's like, no, literally, we've done it. No, it's just not enough. You're fine. It's not enough. So on March 31st, 1984, shortly after midnight, Ronald O'Brien was executed by lethal injection at the Huntsville unit. His last meal consisted of a T-bone steak, medium to well done. Gross. Why? That's just, no. Okay. Medium. Oh. All the way. Oh. French fries and ketchup. 
whole kernel corn, sweet peas, lettuce and tomato salad with egg and French dressing, an iced tea, some sweetener, saltines, a Boston cream pie, and rolls. I mean, it does sound pretty good. I would literally only eat the corn and the and the rolls. Pie and the rolls, maybe, depending on what kind. That day, they asked Ronald what he wanted his last words to be. And I will say something right now. I thought your last words were only allowed to be like 10 words long. I thought there was a rule to like how long they can be. But he gives an actual speech. So I'm going to have Kylie read it. And these were his last words. What is about to transpire in a few moments is wrong. However, we as human beings do make mistakes and errors. This execution is one of those wrongs, yet doesn't mean our whole system of justice is wrong. Therefore, I would forgive all who have taken part in any way in my death. Also, to anyone I have offended in any way during my 39 years, I pray and ask you for forgiveness, just as I forgive anyone who offended me in any way. And I pray and ask God's forgiveness for all of us, respectively, as human beings. To my loved ones, I extend my undying love. To those close to me, know in your hearts I love you one, I love you one and all. God bless you all, and may God's best blessing be always yours. Ronald C. O'Brien, P.S. During my time here, I have been treated well by all TDC personnel. He says this, and then they do the procedure, right? But during the execution, there was a crowd of over 300 people outside, and they were cheering and yelling, trick or treat. Oh, that just gave me chills. (laughs) And... People were throwing candy at the anti-death penalty demonstrators that were out there gathered. You you have to realize that boy, the Whitney boy, it was the member of his church. That's how he knew him. Right. He trusted him. And it was someone that his parents probably always told him that like that is someone you trust and stuff. And now they have to break that and be like, you can't trust anyone. And right. Something as simple as you can't trust someone on a holiday from the church like those are two right. big things like and don't talk like to strangers gift. but also don't talk to anybody because don't talk i to trust no one know. yeah like yeah this is a really big like 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 ripple snowball butterfly effect print. yeah like everything <laughs> yeah and it's just kind of wild how it shaped the fate for all children for pretty much ever it's very similar to david walsh which you don't know what that is nope but that's essentially the case of missing children and how it really shaped um how missing children work and stuff and it's just so scary how one small thing makes such a huge difference for forever or 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 um what is her last name amber the little girl amber hagerman the girl who was riding her bike in arlington texas and she was aggressively murdered and now because of that we have amber alerts Mm -hmm. um and it's just crazy how the trajectory of one small thing turning into this new essentially way of life that we have to deal with forever or like um if you work in a hospital or really anywhere actually in like retail or in a hospital um you have code aaron which means that there's a kid missing and that was essentially from the same type of thing yeah crazy for my sources tonight i did two docuseries the evidence room episode two the man who killed halloween and arrest and trial season one episode 77 the candy man and then I use three websites, the History Things website, the Criminal Minds website, not the TV show. <laughs> um, I just now realized it sounds the same. And then I use the CDC to look up the facts about cyanide to give them to you guys. Well, at least it was like the CDC. You know, it's not just like, hey, read it. Yeah, <laughs> I use the actual government because I wanted to make sure that I was giving the right things. The statistics about cyanide. That didn't sound like that words. was a sentence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Statistics about cyanide. Sorry. sometimes my i was talking about it today oh my gosh i was talking about the other day that um there's a man that i'm in love with his name is louis tomlinson and he doesn't like enunciate his words and i was talking some mad shit about it because specifically there's this interview and he's talking about this girl getting a tattoo and there's numerous letters in the word tattoo (laughs) and he picks like two or three letters that he likes and he's like toe no and i'm like 
your tongue touches the bottom, then the top, and then back to the bottom, like tattoo. Toe? No, that's not what I said, Louie, first off. <laughs> and I'm like, it's not that hard to like, you just, you're not doing things. And Says I'm, you. <laughs> and that's where this was going. I was going on this tangent in the car with Margie for like five minutes. And then at the end of it, I was about to pull in the driveway and I go, Jesus Christ, if I'm sitting here and I'm the person complaining about someone not talking correctly, that means you really don't know how to fucking talk. Like if I'm the person saying it, like coming from me, yeah, you can't fucking talk. If I'm the one saying it. Right. And that's what it came down to. So I'm glad you knew exactly what my joke was. Thank you. The other day, Mando um, asked me how I say the word S-U-R-E. Sure. And I, like, <laughs> I spelled it out. I said... I spelled shoe and then or. No, and, it's sure. And then I put it all together like shoe or. Yeah. And she was like, excuse me, what? <laughs> now, don't forget, guys, since we're talking about all these fun things. Don't forget, there's another fun thing happening. The time shift. Um, Not like daylight savings times. <laughs> that did I, sound like that's what you meant. So, yeah, no, nope. I mean, like the time shift of cryptic soup controlling time. Uh, and when the time comes out <laughs> um, we can't wait to bring you guys a whole new season with new cases the first case of the season is going to be a listener request a good place to always stay up to date on the news and happenings of csp is on the instagram which is at cryptic soup pod our dms are always open for chatting suggestions and just to share memes so slide on in Usually you can catch thena there to have a conversation about something off the rails from music to episodes or bigfoot home improvement harry styles or Anything else you can think of. You want to talk to me or Corey? That's where the Discord comes in. We're super active in there, and so are tons of other friends and members of the Cryptic Soup community. All of our links can also be easily found at crypticsouppod.com as well. So remember, guys, <laughs> to subscribe, follow, tune in, keep up with us, and remember to join the conversation where we'll see you next Tuesday before we do a time shift for the next episode on Halloween. <laughs> Stay tuned. Really Why is the re so strong? Request. Request. Yeah, there's no request. Yeah. You're not like on a quest and you're redoing it. But it just it's sounds a like a W. So maybe maybe I am saying it right. I just feel like I'm wrong because the W. So going back to the back to the case. Whoops. Tangent. I don't even remember how we got there. We've never done that before. <laughs> never done That's that before. First. It's good for the plot. <laughs>